Welcome back into the Impact Is On podcast, everybody's favorite MSU Hoops podcast for men's basketball. Guys, Trent, Trent Bailey here first. I guess I should formally introduce myself. Luke Sloan, Brennan Shabbat. This is our first episode here in beautiful Studio H of Holden Hall in the we're back basically is what I'm trying to say we're we're at the impact right now we're finally here behind the mics we're not on zoom we can't talk over each other anymore so how are we doing you guys sound absolutely beautiful it's very crisp man I've never this is my first time ever sitting in this room and doing something official for the station welcome so this is this is a great way to have a debut And, and honestly obviously hate covid screw covid you know if yeah. it, life would be a lot better if it never happened but the impact his own podcast does not endorse covid19 correct but i will say i don't think i would enjoy this as much as i do right now had we not been forced to do zoom podcast exactly. so you i kind am of it, you grateful get a, for that you get a new appreciation for 100 beauty in yeah. the struggle ugliness and the success hear my words and listen to my signals of distress for sure, whatever that means. <laughs> this is a beautiful Jay Cole place. Fans out okay, here. okay, okay. All right, that's that's great. Kendrick's better. Uh, oh, let, I, I'm, I'm gonna let Brendan gloat for a second about his Iowa prediction, and then we'll move forward. So, Brendan, get it out of the way. Oh, guys, I just wish I wish at some point you guys would just learn, right? Because like I'm unde- <laughs> I'm undefeated in four point play. You know, I for- I'm doing good in the pick'em this year. In all honesty, I forgot about this. <laughs> I completely well, forgot. Well, a lot has happened. Yes, a oh, lot boy. has happened, but but. For those of you who aren't active residents of this podcast, last week it was time for the Iowa game predictions, and these two bozos. Yeah, these two slappies over here. We picked really, Michigan State by three. We, really we thought, stink. We stink. Yeah, Trent. we pretty much stink at our jobs, but and, whatever. And, you know, so does Michigan State basketball. No, that, but, that, hey, that's fair. They stink at their job, too. If it so, wasn't so for you them, have, exactly, we'd be fine. You have a right to stink at yours. It I was, said, now don't get me wrong, I thought it was going to be much closer than that. Yes. I said 85-75. It was 88-58, not even close. Ugh. But I just want to take this moment, and all I have to say, I told you so. Okay, well, there you have it. Um, <clears throat> that was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. <clears throat> no, it's Excuse over me, and sorry. done with it. And, and that's the thing, is, is, is I said it back on, on last week's podcast, it's going to hurt because I want Michigan State to win, and yeah. I did want them to win, and it hurts that they haven't won. But... Well, listen, we do have a lot to talk about on this podcast. We obviously have to go through the loss to Iowa, the loss to Purdue, which actually happened less than an hour ago as we are recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, We're going to talk about some big picture stuff. We're going to talk about Enoch Boachi decommitting from Michigan State. You got it. And we're going to preview the Indiana matchup. We have a full slate today. Brennan has another four-point play. But, guys, first, I just want a quick rapid reaction as you guys just finished up calling that Purdue-Michigan State basketball game one word to describe the matchup sloan you first drum roll please oh so we got we got like a sound effect we don't even have a word that's perfect that's that's how i feel about this team right now and what i plan on doing this episode okay you're gonna tear For those them off, of you huh? not visually watching this podcast which is literally impossible yeah ripping paper to shreds <laughs> over here yeah that's what i'm doing to this team tonight all right guys well let's get right into it then shall we uh we're, let's talk about the loss to iowa first uh the spartans got embarrassed at home last saturday 88 to 58 here's the bizarre part they held luca garza who was averaging 25.9 points per game heading into that contest they hold him to just eight points eight rebounds on three for 11 from the field so 
What the hell happened? Well, I'll tell you. Iowa couldn't miss from three in the first half. They ended up shooting 13 for 25. That is 52% for the game. Uh, MSU shot only 29% from three, made only six of them. Uh, Joe Weiskamp led the way for the Hawkeyes with 21 points and seven boards. Jack Nunji came off the bench with 18 points, 11 boards, six assists. Very impressive. Uh, Gabe Brown led the Spartans with a pedestrian 15 points. Aaron Henry had 13. Josh Langford with 11. Joey Hauser with nine. No one really jumping off the stat sheet at you as the Spartans lose by 30. So let's unpack this. Brendan, what happened in this one uh, was pretty cut and dry, but what were your takeaways? Well, what happened in this game was there were two teams on the floor and only one of them played defense, and that one team that played defense was not named Michigan State. And I said it on the broadcast at the time. I don't know if Michigan State didn't get a scouting report or if they got it and didn't pay attention to it or just didn't care because that's what it seemed like. And Izzo yeah. took blame for it after – the game uh, on the press conference and and right from the get-go Sloan I, you you were there and so were you Trent I think you, it was pretty apparent they, they just had no energy it was it was in my opinion it was as it was very close to a must-win game but wasn't quite there the one tonight against Purdue was certainly a must-win game um, but that Iowa game that would have been so big for them to come away with the win really would have turned the season around would have changed the mentality of fans and, and analysts of this team and they, they weren't even close. They had no energy. The game plan was faulty. They, they didn't uh, account for Iowa's ability to shoot the ball, which I don't know how you do. They literally have the best offense in college basketball statistically. Um, and it was just very upsetting to see them go out there and essentially just not care at all. Yeah, it was just disappointing and, and honestly just sobering how the, the just the lack of energy from this team in the first 10 minutes of that game. They got down early and then they were just dead. I mean, you they were coming in. Their stock was high coming into that game. They beat Nebraska at home. They beat Penn State at home. People they were, start they saying... Were, Iowa was only favored by five yeah. points. And that line was moving down, too. It moved, it down, it moved down, down to like four, I Smart believe. Smart money was on the Spartans. It was. And all the momentum seemed to be in their favor. I mean, Iowa had lost four of six coming into that game. And, and, and the roles were flipped early in well, this and game. Well, and let's not forget that, yes, Sloan, you're right. That first matchup, I think that's what you're going to get to, is the Spartans oh, yeah. shot seven for seven on their first seven attempts from three in that one, and then they completely flipped the script here oh, in, yeah. in, in East Lansing. Unconscious. And it's just all Iowa. And and I'll, I'll tell you what, and Gabe Brown comes back for the second game, right? If you told yeah. me Luca Garza had eight and eight and Gabe Brown went off for 15 and three for five shooting from deep, I'm guaranteeing Michigan State won. That's yeah. an excellent point because when Brown plays well, you assume this team wins. Oh, if you were to say, hey, he's going to have 50, I mean. He's going to lead your team in scoring. Throw yeah. Garza out. If you were to tell me that Brown would have 15 off the bench before tip-off, I'd probably say they'd win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, guys, to that point, really, what happened here was, you know, the scouting report clearly was just to take away Garza, and they did a great job of that. He went three for 11. You saw Kitchen Sink within the first three minutes. I think it was Bingham, Marble, and Hauser all got a look. They all got a chance to guard him. Uh, Kithier ended up getting a couple opportunities. Uh, Malik Hall, Mati Sissoko came off the bench. They just threw Kitchen Sink at Garza, which is really what Tom Izzo has done against him his whole career at Iowa. But... Um, you know, after the game, you know, Tom kind of said we're, we were taking away the two and completely giving up the three. And as you mentioned, Brendan, he took 100% of the blame for the ambush, as he put it. So do you guys agree? Do you agree that uh, 100% of the blame to, for this Iowa loss goes on his own? No, there's no way. You can't put 100% of blame on a coach for almost anything. And I, I understand that, yes, Izzo's correct, that he can can be to blame for their lack of energy, but 
these are these are full grown adults out there. These are right. these are guys with kids and about to get married and graduating college and stuff. These are men, okay, and and they can handle themselves and and build their own energy and have their own motivation to go out there and be prideful and not get blown out by the worst home loss they've had in over thirty years. And so I, I understand Izzo, and I think maybe Izzo didn't even believe that as much as he said it. Maybe it was more of trying to get his players to understand that he cares about them and he's on their side and and it's them first before anything else. But you have to have more pride on your home floor against a big team like that. You know, whenever you're playing a top team in the country, and I think Iowa is a better team than they're ranked, when you're playing a team like that, they've got a target on their back and you have to give them your best whenever they're into town because you're not going to see them again. And Michigan State wasn't even close. Brendan, I want to issue a formal apology to you on a take that I was, to be frank, horrendous on. Um, I said, take away Garza completely. Let them shoot threes. Just let them fire threes. Let them fire as many threes as they want. Michigan State, that's what they'll win on. Well, you know what, Sloan, on paper, just yeah. in defense, that, that doesn't sound Statist- like a terrible statistically, idea. Statistically, it's a good idea. A three-point shot is a lower percentage than Luca Garza down on the block. And you're talking about a 26-point-per-game score in Luca Garza, a 20-point double-double machine. Yeah. So it, yeah. it really doesn't sound like that terrible of an idea. But, you know, when these guys are unconscious and McCaffrey starts clipping, you're done. Yeah, that that was kind of the take that I was living and dying with, and I unfortunately died with it. But, you know, bringing it back to your point, Trent, about coaching and Tom Izzo and taking the blame for this, I think if there was one thing that I really had to put, or actually two things, because I just thought of another one that I do, pl- you know, blame Tom Izzo for, you know, he took Marcus Bingham Jr. out of the game immediately when he got his first foul against Garza. Yep. Frankly, for Marcus Bingham Jr., a guy who struggled with his confidence and struggled getting in a rut, that probably crushed his confidence, um, especially because his stock was high going into the game. So I disagreed with the way he rotated his bigs, in particular Bingham. And then there was a seven, eight-minute stretch in the first half, in the latter ten minutes of the first half, when Aaron Henry just yep. was, did not play. I mean, that made he's made no sense. He's a co-captain of this team. He's a leader. He's their best player. And why he was not in the game when they when they were being ran off the floor and, and then and the game was really in the balance was beyond me. I mean, th- that that seven, eight-minute stretch was where Iowa went from, like, down four to all of a sudden up 11 and seven and stuff like that. And that's exactly when Aaron Henry was on the bench. It made everybody on Twitter saw it. A bunch of the analysts asked him about it after. It made no sense to me why your leading scorer, your veteran on this team, the, the closest thing to a go-to guy is you're going to get – is sitting for that long and Izzo, I believe his reasoning was just that it just he just sat that long. Like there was no really real he, reasoning behind he it. He said it was like an energy thing. Yeah. The, and I don't know, maybe that's effort what, maybe thing. that's what he was I don't ta- know. Maybe that's what he was taking blame for. I don't know how you can have energy and effort when you're not on the floor. So Right. So let me ask you guys this. You know, that we talk about this game, you know the classic question was it, you know, did Michigan State lose this or did Iowa win it? We talk about how Michigan State's game plan, you know, to take away Garza worked the problem is that wasn't a complete enough game plan because you got absolutely barraged from three and you got skunked by 30 you know whereas you know maybe if Garza goes off for his typical 26 and 10 the Spartans only lose by like eight or something uh, a lot the last time these two teams played so Brennan I want to ask you as the national basketball uh college basketball guru is Iowa a true threat to win the whole thing I think Iowa really is they have some pitfalls that are going to be pretty scary in March because March is absolute madness hence the name, but Iowa is kind of built for for a March team because we talked about it with Ian Gilmore. He brought up a really good point on the, the post-game show was that a lot of times we see the stars 
of the regular season, the big name players who are the marquee people in college basketball go out there in March and not really make it that far. And I added to that that it's really March is built for team play. The five best players that play the best together, not just the most skilled five players, are going to go out, go out and win you games. And when I originally said that, I thought maybe that's where Iowa struggles because Luca Garza is so good and such a, a main part of their offense that that might be a pitfall come March if he has an off night and then they get in trouble. But he had an off night against Michigan State, and look exactly what happened. Joe Wieskamp, in my opinion, is the most underrated player in the Big Ten, one of my favorite players on the team. The McCaffrey people, they play great. Jordan Bohannon, if Jordan Bohannon makes two threes in, in a row, I'm running for my life because he's going to go off for seven. Right. So I think Iowa, the, the, the biggest problem is their defense. I think there's a lot of good teams. I think they're for sure an Elite Eight team. I think I, I, don't, okay. I don't see a way I don't put them in the Elite Eight in my bracket. I think there they run into a team like Texas, uh, a team like Texas Tech. Baylor, anybody, Villanova, a Creighton team that can that can score really well. Their defense is so bad this year. I mean, I've never seen a seen a team be so polarized. Number one in adjusted offense, 120th in adjusted defense. That's where they can get in a lot of trouble and live by the three, die by the three. It, they might have an exact opposite night like the game against Michigan State where they, they don't make any, but I think they're almost a lock for the Elite Eight right now. Sloan, I want to spin this question a little different in your direction right. because here's the thing. You know, you I, I've heard you talk on the broadcast about how, you know, Fran McCaffrey has not made it past the second round. Does the juju bother you at all with Iowa? Do you think that that could play a factor? You know, because it is March. I think it definitely does. I mean, they have a point guard in, jo- in uh, Jordan Bohannon. Yes. Why did I just yes. forget his name? Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, hey, actually, before we... I called Hunter yes. Dickinson Charles Dickinson last that's week. That's true. So, so, so you're, I'm you're the off only, the hook. I'm the only one left that's got to mess up a yeah. name, and then we're good. Yeah, you're Brennan, t- the clock's ticking for you. Yeah, me. we'll get there. You're too damn perfect over there, Brennan. <laughs> Shut up. Usually the, <laughs> the, the, the combination of a winning team in March is a, a dominant center and a veteran point guard. And Iowa has both those things, but I think you make a really good point, Trent. You know, if things go south for this team in an early round, they could get tight. I mean... With the con- they know what's happened in past years. They know they haven't been able to break through. So if things go south a la Middle Tennessee or something like that, they could get tight and, and, and get bounced early. I think that the more likely result is that their shooting carries them to a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8, and then they encounter a shooting performance that's subpar or bad, and they will lose because of that. But I think you make a really good point, Trent. If if a, an early round exit was was on tap for this team and 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 someone told me that it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. I mean, especially because they didn't make the tournament last year, pandemic year, et cetera, et cetera, weirdness. On top of the fact that you know guys like Bohannon, guys like Garza, guys like Wieskamp, they've been there in the, for those trials and tribulations. So it could get tight. I mean, this isn't like a Michigan State team with Cassius Winston last year that. Hey, the year before they went to the Final Four, they're le- that a team like that is less likely to get tight in a tough spot. But Iowa, it's a completely different story. Now, Trent, if I can steal an answer to this question, too, go for it. Because I'm I'm a big supporter of the Fran McCaffrey is not a March guy, um, and and that idea, and I I think he he has never proven himself in March, and obviously hasn't yet hasn't make it past the second round. But the reason I like how you said that does the juju bother you? The reason it doesn't bother me this year, and he at least gets farther than he's ever gone is because I honestly think you could take Fran McCaffrey away. This Iowa team is is so veteranized and so skilled, you don't even need him. Because That's a great point. The reason Fran McCaffrey has lost in March is bad rotations, bad coaching decisions, taking a timeout at the wrong time or not taking a timeout. I think this Iowa team is good enough with what they have and 
I mean, Wieskamp's a go-to guy. Bo- Bohannon's go-to. Garza's obviously go-to. They could, they can win without Fran McCaffrey making the minimal coaching decisions that he probably does on a regular basis. All right, so there you have it. I mean, do we have any other thoughts on this Iowa game before we get into the Purdue game, uh, that gem that j- that we just watched tonight? You know, I, saw, I see one question here on the document about a little bit of a Michigan State rotation issue, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go credit someone else for this point. This is not my point. I can't. The question is, has your opinion changed on the Hauser Watts bench tandem? And I can't remember who it was: Trent Valley, Ryan Collins, or Henry Menegos on the Green and White Report this Sunday that said, "Put your best players out there, your best five out there, and let's roll." And that would include Hauser and Watts. And at this point in the year. That's that's my mindset at this point. This is not a tournament team. This is not a team that's going to make a threat to win the Big Ten tournament either. I can't remember which one of you guys had that opinion, but at that point... I think it was Hank. Yeah, yeah I think it was Hank. Hank too. Yeah, friend of the podcast, Henry Menegos. But that's my opinion at this point. I mean, I don't if, if it means Rocket Watts at point guard, it means Rocket Watts at point guard. I think at this point we just need to give the... We, Michigan State, not being a journalist. Uh, the Spartans need to give... There we go. The Spartans just need to put their best players out there. I mean, that could mean Gabe Brown too. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with that. There's no point in trying to find your rotation. It's so funny that we're almost 20 or over 20 games into this season. Yeah. And we don't have a a solid rotation in a group of guys that play at the same time. And yeah, there's no point in in trying to figure that out now because the season's over. You're not going to make it in March, not unless you absolutely win the Big Ten tournament, which for sure is not happening. And so I think you put your best five out there. You go let them do what they do. You put out a lineup of guys that are going to play a lot more next year. I think A.J. Hogard gets a lot of minutes. I think somebody like Marcus Bingham, who has a chance to be uh, the starting center on this team next year, you you got to build for the future and with the real competition that you have now. Because after March, it's going to be another five months before, you, before you're playing actual games again. So you got to give these guys the chance to play meaningful minutes now before the season is over. Yeah, Brandon, you make a great point with <clears throat> just real quick up uh, at the point guard situation because I think Holgard has to be, and and you know against Purdue tonight we saw that you know he played quite a bit more than Foster Lawyer, which I think needs to be the case going forward, which stinks because I'm a big Foster Lawyer fan. The problem is he is absolutely maxed out, right? I mean that's yeah, no secret. Totally, he's out there for one and a half reasons. That's to shoot and hustle. And, and the shooting part hasn't shooting, gone well. He doesn't pull the trigger, and and it's like and the, even the hustle too. He he's was he was up. really good at the start of the year, and since then, yeah, he's, he's been yeah, hurt he, and he's know, been slow. He always, you know, used to take charges and dive on the floor for loose balls, and now you just you don't see that same energy out of him. And I'm not calling him out. I'm just saying, Holgard's a four year player. He's a true point guard. He's he's a he's a little. I, I'm gonna. He reminds me a little of Cassius Winston, just a little bit, in that he's a, he's a true floor general. Little you know, Denzel Valentine in his size yeah. and yes, defensive yes. ability it's, too. It's I the, think the physique. I think too that just reminds me of you know those guys, and it it just that to me is what you've got to look at going forward. Now, if there's any way you can salvage the season, how are you gonna do that? You're gonna beat Michigan, maybe. You know, like please your fans, do something, uh, win your rivalry game, and I think the way you're gonna be able to do that, Sloan, you bring a bring up a great point. X's and O's, Rocket Watts is not going to work at point. I get it. But if you put out your best five, maybe let Aaron Henry do a little point forward action. That to me is just, that's the best, the best, uh, what am I looking for, method here as as you look at the last six or five games of the season and going into the Big Ten tournament, quite frankly. If you got any chance, you got to just play your best players. Enough with this stupid 12-man rotation thing. It clearly doesn't work. Yeah. Before we move on to Purdue, just a proposal for you both. This is the starting lineup you roll with the rest of the year. A.J. Hogard, 
at the at the point. Rocket Watts at the two, Aaron Henry, Hauser, and Bingham. I think so, yes, wholeheartedly. Because Malik Hall could be an option for I like, somewhere I in like there, Malik too. I like Malik Hall in there a lot. I like yeah. Malik Hall to get a lot more minutes. And Brown too. I, like those will be your your guys well, off the bench. Let me and, say real quick. I think I I I agree with you guys. The reason I don't think that's going to happen is because I don't see Josh Langford going to the bench. No, 100%. no, that's, I just don't that's see that's the, that happening. That's the problem with me is as I understand. I love Tom Izzo and I love how emotional is and how much he cares for his players. And I think that's the reason he's been so successful is because it is very genuinely. I've been in that locker room with Kai Winston before and and been around that that atmosphere that a lot of regular fans don't get to see. It is a family back there. They really are, are the, a that's tight the culture. That's group. the thing. And we said this on the last podcast. Sorry to interrupt you. No. But they this this team has not gotten the results they've wanted this year, but the culture and what this build this program is built on has not wavered. No, no not one has given up. No yeah. one the, the locker room has not been lost and it won't be. No and I, and I think it would be a better business decision for Tom Izzo, for his coaching staff, and for the good of the team to mm, limit Josh Langford for the rest of the year. Josh Langford's career as a college basketball player is coming to an end. He no longer benefits this team for the postseason, which is what we play for. It's the only reason we step on the floor every night. And I just don't think it's going to happen because of who Izzo is a, as a person, how much he cares about Josh Langford. And you can't frankly, really fault him and, for yeah, it. Yeah, and frankly, no. that's okay. I mean, and, you know, it's it's the way the world goes, and it's not always fair, but... Right, and Lankford's earned that right, and I think yes. we all agree there. It's just kind of, you know, looking forward to the future. You're right, Brennan, there might be a little better um, the better way to go about things. But um, with that, let's roll into the Purdue game that happened tonight as we record on a Tuesday night. Uh, the Spartans lose at Purdue, 75-65. to Once again, have zero answer for Travion Williams, who finished with 28 points, went 13 for 21 from the floor. Yes, 13 for 21. Eric Hunter Jr. and Jaden Ivey combined for 26 for the Boilermakers. Aaron Henry led the Spartans with 15 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. Julius Marble had a nice 10 points, a couple of nice and one plays, went 4-6 from the field. Joey Hauser had 11 um, he only made three shots. They were all three-pointers and then a pair of free throws. But I, he didn't play particularly well. No one really played particularly well in this one, guys. So what were your big takeaways? Luke, we'll go to you first. You know, Brendan, you put this perfectly on the broadcast, and I'm not going to credit this as my take. I'm going to credit this as your take. Thank you. 16 turnovers in this game is a lot. I mean, anytime you have 16 turnovers, that large of a number, you're going to say that is you know, one of the main reasons they lost. But more than just the sheer volume of turnovers, the moments they happened in, the mental slash a little bit physical lapses that the Spartans went through in those moments. I mean, there were moments when they got defensive stops. Purdue would miss free throws. They'd have opportunities to cut that lead down to two, three points. And there'd be unbelievable turnovers that Tom Izzo just, you know, wants to throw a chair about. So, I, you know, Travion Williams is a big factor. He balled out in this game for Purdue. But in my mind, just the mental lapses in closing time, similar to maybe that Iowa game, similar to the first Purdue game. Um, well, that'd be the first Iowa game, not the second one. But really the Purdue game, too, on January 8th, I think that's what lost in the game. Oh, no doubt. Uh, 100% it was the turnovers that really lost them this game. And, you know, credit Purdue. They played a good game. I've said it uh, a bunch on the broadcast that Trayvon Williams is, in my opinion, going to be a top 10, possibly top 5 college basketball player next next year should he stay at Purdue. But the the thing for me is if you ask the 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 old the age-old question, who what happened? Did Purdue win this game or did Michigan State lose it? It's weird to say Michigan State lost it because they didn't have a lead. 
but it just felt like God, they were gonna get the lead at some well, also, point. Also, the game was a lot forward. closer than than a ten point oh, final. Yes. You yeah. know, they the, the Spartans had it within five with I think a minute and I think like that five is, yeah, seconds like, yeah. ago. So like a minute left. But and, and and every single time, Sloan, you just mentioned it. They I, I felt I feel like it was like fifteen times they got the lead to within five and then an unforced turnover. Yep. And it's it's just one that makes you grab your head and just, oh my God, what yeah. are you doing? It's just basketball. And Joey Hauser especially, he's a redshirt junior. He's been around this game forever. And 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 Joey Hauser's had his 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 bruises and his lumps and his fair share of mistakes, not just in in his career, but especially in this year. And it's a bummer because he had a good game. He, he knocked down three three pointers. He had eleven points and four rebounds, but six turnovers from one of your leaders and and big men and veterans. It's just it's it's sad to see and it's it's. It's terrible and, and unproductive. Another one, too, and shout out Dad for this. He texted me mid-podcast. Thank you, Dad, friend of the podcast. Dad. Mr. Sloan. Yeah, Mr. Mr. That, that's Mr. Sloan, Mr. Sloan to, to you, us. Trent. <laughs> but that Kithier foul, too, where he pulled Travion Williams down on yep. both of his shoulders, got called for a flagrant one. A couple of, or the, He went one for one from the line, but Purdue got the ball and scored on that play. You know, that's a three-point sequence. That, I still, that was in closing time, too. Yeah, I still don't—I have no idea what the decision was there from Kithier because to me, looking at that, it's quite obvious he's not trying to go for the ball at all. But why? Why are you trying to foul Travion Williams so hard with four and a half minutes left that he doesn't score when you're only down five points? If you if you just right. let him score, they go up seven, you come down, you get a bucket, it's back down five, now get a stop. Now make up for the mistake that's you one just of those made. You know what? I just, don't be in position. Yeah. I just think it speaks to how little confidence these guys have in their oh, half court no offense. Way, yeah. And I don't mean to I don't mean to get on them about that cuz but it's just man, every every possession you're begging for a foul, you're trying to get to the line, get something going, it didn't, it's just not happening. You know what's funny is at the start of this year we wouldn't shut up about transition. We mentioned transition fifteen thousand times it about has been this team. Dead, they man. Ha- they don't move the ball at all. No, not at all. You would, you know, Tom Izzo re- re- or defend, rebound, run. I mean, they've been rebounding a little bit this yeah, year. Where's, yeah, defending where, where's not really, but running. I mean, when when national pundits talk about Michigan State, especially like when Winston was here the last two years, they're like, "Wow, their fast break is something to worry about." It, dude, it's been instilled mm. in all these teams' DNA. It's going back to the last wow. ten years. Travis Trice was great at it. Yeah. Denzel Valentine was great at it. Tum Tum Nairn was fantastic at it, just because he's fast as hell. Cassius Winston, virtuoso Crafty. every night. It was like transition. You're exactly right, Sloan. It should have been Michigan State transition Spartans. That was like the team the last ten years, and you see none of that now. You don't get any runouts. You don't get any easy points. And I yeah. think that really affects the pace, and of, I, pace I, of the game. I think that's a huge reason Rocket Watts has struggled. I've been watching yeah. him. I've been watching him for five years. I feel in so transition. Bad for he's so scary. Yep. He's fast. He's athletic. He's crafty. He's smart. And and he's obviously Rocket Watts is a very skilled player, and, and he can hold his own in a half court offense. But if you if you let the dog run free, he's going to run fast and he's going to run far. And Ken Palm actually has adjusted tempo as a stat. And it's not quite accurate as far as transition. It's about length of possession. But nonetheless, Michigan State is 147th in the country in adjusted tempo, as slow as the slowest. Hey, so, help, help me out. Is that good? Is that good? Or hmm. I, I don't think that's that good. I is, don't think it's where, yeah, we, no, no, okay. where you want to yeah, be. That's yeah, that's not that great, huh? I want to I want to give Rocket Watts a moment too, because Trent, you you brought up Watson. You know, I just kind of had a revelation in that Purdue game today, because at the end of the half, he 
He shook mm-hmm. off a defender and got a, a be it deep three, but it was an open three because he dribbled behind his back and 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 shook off the defender. It is in Rocket Watts. I know it is in Rocket Watts. His athleticism, his speed. I think you've made this comparison before, Trent, but Russ. Not the Russell Westbrook. He's you read Russ. my mind. Not the greatest shooter. I mean, Westbrook, good shooter. I think he's a better shooter than Russ. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, never will like shoot the lights out like Stephen Curry. You at least make the defense respect your shot. Completely. Yes. Yeah. But like speed, athleticism, getting to the whole transition. It's I still I still know it is in Rocket Watts, and I hope he sticks around this program because I, you know, obviously this is a whole nother episode, you know, hopefully like a month from now, but, you know, it could be transfer town for him with, with the way that, you know, his role has evolved this year. I sure hope not. I don't, I genuinely don't think so. I think he'll stick around next year. What I was worried about pre this season was Watts actually leaving after this year to go to the NBA. I thought he was going to be that good. I did too. I thought he he was going to be like that. He was going to be the second option. I thought 1,000%. I was like, it goes Henry, Watts, Hauser. I thought that's for sure what if, it was going to be all season long. If we revisited our predictions, which we're going to have to do that wow, in a further we episode. Look, we would look we'll, we'll do that I think I fun. said the Spartans lose three games, I think is what I said. All season? I think I said. <laughs> I think. I think I said like 19 and 8, and it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be like 10 and 21 or something. Man, I had a. I, you and I were maybe the I had three losses in the Big Ten. Maybe that's yeah. what I said. But I, I had the Spartans rolling this season. But the, to the, think this team was ranked fourth in the nation at one point, and they should have been third. Gonzaga and Baylor were supposed to play each other, and one one of the top two teams was going to lose and fall back. <laughs> but that game got third. postponed. They were supposed to be third in the nation. Oy. But to go back to Rocket Watts, obviously Tom is a Hall of Fame coach, greatest coach Michigan State has ever had, one of the best coaches in the Big Ten. All Court's going to be named after him. Yes, rightfully so. But. This will be a huge testament to who he is as a player's coach if he can if he can pull it out of Rocket Watts. Because I don't think – I mean, obviously Rocket is going to have to put forth an effort, but I think this is something that someone else has to essentially slap him in the face and wake him up and open his eyes. Someone's got to show him something. Dude, you, can't, you have this. You can do it. You just got to get there. And I think it has to be Izzo, and and if he can do it and and pull it out next year, I think we're in for a scary treat. I know we got to. We'll talk about Purdue. I pr- I promise we'll talk Look, about I, Purdue. You know friend. what though? The the people don't want to hear it. Yeah. That's the thing. If you're listening to this, you just want to hear the big picture stuff. So I I don't I don't mind us getting off the rails. It was really not much. To, to talk. It's the same thing every yeah. time. Me, it's this, a broken record. To me, this Purdue game is a perfect bow ribbon on the gift that has been this terrible season from Michigan State basketball. Yep. It sums up everything because they did some stuff right. They did a lot of things good. They shot the three better than they usually do. They out-rebounded a bigger team than them. They they, they did well uh, in transition and stuff. But it's the turnovers, the turnovers, the mental lapses, and just the effort. Towards the end, down five, they make that turnover, and then they give up an easy bucket. And then they, they score, and they're down five, and they make another turnover, and they give up an easy bucket. I thought it was really indicative of just how this whole season has been, where they're, they're there, and they have what it takes to come away with the win, but it's the mental lapses that, that lose it for them. I want to lob one up to you guys. And Trent, I'll lob it to my left first. <laughs> like you said, nice. you, you've let us off the reins, and, and big-picture topics are now – we're, we're going to talk big picture. So I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb, but maybe not. 
Rocket Watts, point guard next year. Again, let's try it. It's just, it. look, if you're going for, this is such a hard question. If you want your bucket getter at point, then sure. You know, but in terms of your permanent point guard, I don't think so. I think it's got to be Hogard, and that's why we talked about how he's just got to get more reps the rest of the season. I that's In short, I just think Rockets, if he is to stay, his confidence is much better served at the two, but the primary scoring option, assuming Aaron Henry's out. You know, do we think Aaron Henry's leaving? Yeah, I yes. think it's a foregone I mean, conclusion. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah. do too. You know, just judging off, you know, and he I also think for the draft I think it would Drew. be better that he left too. I do too also. because look, let's talk about this. This is a question I had on here. Well, I'll, I'll let you answer the, the the Watts question first. I'm gonna go puke real quick and then come back because <laughs> okay, so, there's yeah, no right, so. way in hell Rocket Watts ever plays point guard for Michigan State again. Not only because he Brandon, doesn't want to, man. Izzo doesn't want to. AJ Hogard, don't kick has, me when I'm down. No, I'm already well, on the no, heels of that Iowa loss. Why don't you? Why don't you make your case then? Why do you think? Well, you know, that should be a thing. I think number one, it could be a thing because well, yes, no, no, I don't it think it's could. unfeasible. I don't, think, I don't yeah. think it wouldn't work. I personally, as a logistical human being who lives life based on not emotional decisions but business decisions, why in the hell is Rocket Watts ever handling the ball and running the offense if he has? explicitly told Tom Izzo, I don't want to do that. I'm not good at that. I can't do it. Why would you put him in that position? You're not going to succeed that way. I'm, I'm a stubborn man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Sloan? I, I don't <laughs> necessarily... It, I don't think it's a god-awful idea, but no. my, my compromise would be in spurts. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, like, if he can reach the point where he's got that look in his eye, we need a bucket, give him the give him the damn ball, let him take it up the floor, then he's your point guard. And I put quotes on point guard because, you know, he's he's kind of a quasi distributor, yeah. not really in his DNA, right? He's a bucket gutter. I think so there's a place for that. There is. And it, it just depends. I think at some point, Luke, it becomes a label. Like yeah. is he the point guard or the shooting guard? But he's gonna be a primary ball handler ball handler, not the primary ball handler next season. That's just where I that's what I think. But again, that's a long ways out. The thing that I'm just kind of stuck on is that in terms of his NBA ceiling at the size that he plays at, I think his ceiling is highest if he plays point guard in the future. I know he may not want to play point guard right now for Michigan State, but at his size, like 6'2", I don't know if he can go to the NBA and get get buckets at the two. I think that Izzo or someone or maybe someone in the league needs to get in his ear, whether it's a player or somebody, and kind of say, hey – you know, maybe revisit that a little bit. I, I think say, his ceiling is high I if sure, he stays at the one. I sure hope no one in the league says that this year. I sure hope they wait till he's done to talk to him because that's one thing that I hate the most is when league people come in and change the mindset of a college player. He's in college. He has a college coach for a reason, right? This is a college kid. He's not there in the pros yet. Don't make him what you want him to be. Let him be successful with what he is. So. I, I think I think you're right, and that can happen, and it probably will once he gets there. But I pray it doesn't happen over this offseason. Well, so let's let's back up a second because we were we quick discussed Aaron Henry, you know, whether or not he's going to be back and everything, and we have a lot of time to talk about this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, we we mentioned that might be better for Michigan State. The reason we say that is because this team is deep to a detriment. Like it, it's it's almost it's it's too much depth. There's no clarity. It doesn't work. It There's doesn't no work. Flow. So, so a question just based on this Purdue game that I want to bounce off you guys, and I have to shout out Nathan Stearns, 
for throwing this in our planning program. doc right before, you know, right before we got ready to record here. Madi Sissoko got the most meaningful run he's gotten all season. He played seven minutes, most of them at the end of that first half. A nice five points, four rebounds, did a pretty good job defensively on Travion Williams. And then Thomas Kithier pretty much eats up all those minutes in the second half. And you mentioned Brendan didn't play particularly well. So my question to you guys, you know, I know we're just going to throw another hat in the ring here and it may be a 13th guy the Spartans can give minutes to, but should Madi Sissoko get more play? I I started this podcast by ripping a piece of paper hmm. as a, um, a showing of what I'm going to do to this team. And I think to – to be a man, no holes barred, and I'm just going to do it. I don't think Thomas Kithier deserves to be on a Division One college basketball roster. At o- least, at Oakland? least, at, yeah. I mean, Campy. okay, Oakland's Division One. At least, at least Power Five. Had to, I had to. No, no, 100. percent No, I think that Kithier could get buckets. In the I back. think that's. I think that's where they Toledo. Think, not on, not only not only Thomas Kithier. Throw Foster Lawyer in that mix too, because. As human beings, yes, great. And we've talked about the family atmosphere, and I'm a fan too as well as I am a journalist and just a basketball person. But business decision-wise, going out there, because I make this argument, this is a conversation for another day, but I make this argument against LeBron as the greatest player of all time. The reason, the only sole reason you step out on the floor is to win the game. If you don't win, nothing else matters at the end of the day, right? And so I understand all the family stuff, and they're good people, and – and their hometown kids and stuff. But for both of them, not only for Michigan State, but for Foster Lawyer and Thomas Kithier themselves, I think it's more beneficial beneficial to part ways, transfer, go to a smaller school where you can go be successful yourself. And I just I've always thought that. I've thought it since they were freshmen. People called me crazy. Foster Lawyer's Mr. Basketball. Thomas Kithier's big. He can shoot. Blah blah blah. I said it at the start of last year. Even when Michigan State was good, these guys are not Big Ten level players. And I think they've really proven that true this season. The problem with that, and I don't agree. I don't disagree with anything you said there. I think that. I mean, this year has really been proof positive, you know, and, and, and like we said, you know, no disrespect to Thomas Kithier and Foster Lawyer. I truly believe they're playing to their highest capacity right now, and it's just not up to up to par no, in the yeah. Big Ten. That, that's no disrespect to them, those them those guys as players. Right, two things can be yeah, true. You yeah. insert them at a different level of basketball, and they're going to do their thing. But, you know, my, my contrast to your point, and this isn't disagreeing with your point, but Tom Izzo... Do you think he would ever run players out of this program with the, the mindset that he has and and how traditional he no, is? Absolutely not. I, no, they have I, to like, leave. I, I don't think there's. I don't think. I don't think he would even have that conversation with him about like, I, hey, you might want to go to Oakland or something. I don't think I it's going to happen. I don't think that thought has ever in his life come in his head, and that's okay. But um, and part I, of the culture, I, I thing. don't think you should ever you know run players out of your program unless they're. They're literally harming people's mental or physical uh, livelihoods. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's. I think the players have to leave themselves. Well, let's keep it moving right along, my guys. We're gonna just continue to talk big picture here. Um, so this is officially the worst Michigan State team of our lifetime. This is foreign territory for us, as it is for all these players and Tom Ezzo and everything. It's a really weird vibe going on right now, and nothing makes sense. But. Um, looking at the schedule ahead, does this team even win another game? I, it's a real question. I'm, I'm going to, for our listeners out there, here's who the Spartans got the rest of the way. At Indiana this weekend, number five, Illinois at home, number four, Ohio State at home, 
at Maryland, number three Michigan at home. Uh, Sloan, I'll go to you first. Do they win another game? Do they win two games? What happens? Oh, man. The first thing that popped into my head, Trent, when you said, are they going to win another game, is it keeps, you know, I don't want to go full scorched earth, but I don't want to keep throwing them bones. The first, you know, the first thing that popped in my head is, oh, I'll throw them a bone and give them Maryland, but no, they're not winning again. I'm sorry. This team's not up to par. Brendan. I mean, it's it's time, guys. I'm going to be continuing my theme. Rip. No. All right. No games. Okay. Pretty simple. Um, I, I, I think they get a win against Maryland or Indiana. I think one of those they win. Ironically, that those are not ironically at all, I should say. Those are the two teams left on the schedule that aren't ranked in the top five or ranked nonetheless. So look, this the Spartans just aren't that good. And it's time to admit that, you know, for me and Sloan, who've sat here and Trent, tried this to is buy hard. In, this is hard for us, man. I will say no, yeah. no, no, I will say credit to you guys. You guys dragged that bag of dirt so much farther than I thought you would. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah, respect for that. So look, let's just say, let, but let me let me play devil's advocate here for a second. And I'm not predicting any of this, but for the sake of of you know hypotheticals and what our viewers might want to hear, let's just entertain this idea. So say maybe the Spartans get some signature wins here. There are some very tough opponents on the schedule. No one's disputing that, but. You know, you play Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan. Say you somehow, by the grace of God, win two out of those three games or something. Is that enough, Brendan, to turn the heads of the committee and maybe put the Spartans back on the bubble because then maybe they go to the Big Ten tournament and, like, make a run, get to the final, lose to Iowa or something? Who knows what the bracket's going to look like at this point. But if they are able to finish the season strong, I guess, maybe 500 or something in these last six games, what happens? Don't get me wrong. Ohio State is... One of the best teams in the country. They have so many, so many great wins, and 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 their losses are not bad this year. And they're on a tear right now, winning seven in a row. But I think Ohio State is more like a borderline top ten than a borderline top five. They're ranked okay. four right now. They're, they're I think they're seven or eight on Ken Palm. That's where I like them a little bit more. So for and and I mention that because I think that. For Ohio State, this this has nothing to do with Michigan State at all, in, in my opinions on them. For Ohio State, the Michigan State game could be a game where they get trapped because they got Iowa and Illinois in back-to-back games after that. Those are their Super Bowls. They got Michigan and then this garbage game against Michigan State in between Michigan, Iowa, and Illinois. Right, So they've got their postseason starting before the Big Ten tournament even starts. So I could see them losing a BS trap game to Michigan State somehow like that. But I think even if Michigan State beats Iowa, if they beat Illinois, if they beat Michigan, still the only way they make the tournament is to win the Big Ten tournament, to make the NCAA so tournament. So you think maybe even if they get to the final and maybe they beat a team like Ohio State en route I'll to the say, final and they lose to a Michigan. I'll say this. If, if, if they win, if they beat Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan and lose in the final of the Big Ten tournament, they'll be in the NCAA tournament. It won't be higher than nine. Okay, so Sloan here. Before you go, I wanna I wanna at least you're a Lions fan. This this reminds me of like when the Lions are five and eight, and I'm like, okay, you know, if they, if they win these last three games, you know, and I'm doing all the mental gymnastics, but at some point you gotta just realize like they have shown you no reason that that's going to happen, and I understand that. So to our people who are listening, who are probably like, guys, it's not happening. Just you know, throwing the towel. I understand. I'm just trying to at least entertain like. This team hasn't missed the tournament in 22 years. So if there's a way to do it, this is how. So what do you think, Sloan? What do you think are the odds? I mean, it's still, 
I mean, as uh, even though I've kind of given up on this team, uh, especially after this Purdue game, it's still in Izzo we trust. I mean, you know, Brendan, I, I told you this at the end of the broadcast when we were both on air together that, you know, we keep saying that there's a path. You know, the optimist in me, and I, there is still a path. I mean, what if they go and rip off like four well, yeah, or five there, there, of these there's, games? There's I a mean, path, but it's got, you know, monsters all, all over the place and there's I'll, blood on the I'll floor. I'll bring it back a little yeah. bit. Like... Say they beat Indiana and Maryland. I don't. I don't know if it's a path. I think it's a tightrope across the Grand Canyon. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom with the bridge, and it's like about to snap in half. That's what it is. I think. Say they beat Indiana and Maryland, and they upset one of Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois. So they go. They win three of their next five games, and they make it to like the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. You're talking about like a 500 record couple decent resume wins at Indiana at Maryland would both be good and one of those upset wins and whatever they do in the Big Ten tournament with how bad Duke is with how bad Kentucky is and how much the the tournament and basketball respects Izzo if this team is 500 ish and is on a little bit of a roll I think they definitely give them the bid I think they definitely do so they can still play into this and still not like win out. Like say they, you know, go two and three the next five games, win two games in the Big Ten tournament, you know, then the conversation will be had. Here's my problem with it that I don't think people are realizing. Cause yes, Michigan State went undefeated in non conference. Yes, they do have ten wins right now. And if they win out, they'd be at fifteen. But or if they if they go three and five or three and two and whatever, give me with, don't look at the schedule right now. Give me a resume win. A resume win Michigan State has already. Rutgers, already. That's it. Okay, that's, I'm, that's it. I'm blocking my laptop right now. There, there's no research going on. Notre Dame and Duke are not resume wins anymore. They not stink. anymore. Not anymore. Rutgers didn't play like Virginia. What Trent said. I think blew, Rutgers blew it is to Wisconsin. Rutgers is the signature win if you can even call it that. And that's and the, that, that's the thing though is yeah. is compare that Penn State? Rutgers Penn win. State. <laughs> hey, hey! Maybe in the way it happened, we are. Penn maybe, State. maybe in the way it happened, yeah. lock them up in the last but, three and yeah. a half minutes. But you that's know? that's why I have so little faith is is because in college basketball, that's exactly what this is. It's about your resume and and winning the turn yeah. the conference tournament and stuff like that. And so even if they get one win over one of these top five teams in the next two weeks, that's really the only resume win they have all season. Yeah. And so if they're if they're five hundred at the end of the year. With one win over a top five team, I think the committee for sure calls it a fluke. Would it be the best feat of Tom Izzo's coaching career if they won the Big Ten tournament? I think if they maybe won out, if they won if they did both if they won out and won the Big Ten tournament, yes. Well, let me with, let me with ask, how bad this team is right now. Let me crazy. ask you guys. I brought this up on Green and White Report. The 2018 Oklahoma Sooners. Okay, they had Trey Young. I understand one of the best players in the country. So that was their draw. They went 18 and 14, eight and 10. No, in the Big I remember 12. this. Yeah, and there were real conversations. Are they going to make it? They're on the bubble. They made it as a 10 seed. Lost to Rhode Island in the first round, but they made it because they were Oklahoma. You know, they made it based on merit and the fact that Trey Young was box office. Here's the so thing. Here, here's my thing with Michigan State is if they're hovering around 500, as this Oklahoma team was, you don't necessarily – Michigan State's – I don't even think they can get above 500 in the Big Ten, can they? 
They're they're fi- what they, they, not can, they can finish at exactly they can finish at exactly five hundred. So if you're able to do that, man, and it, okay, but also the Sooners in 2018 they lost in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Like they did not close the seat. They backed the season. in. Yeah, they backed in. And and I just wanna I, I wanna at least bring this up because Sloan, you brought it up how how weak the rep. It's kind of a weird year, right? The rest of the blue blood blue bloods aren't sitting at the table like they usually are. So I just think if this especially after last season with no March Madness, if the committee needs a draw here and there, they might throw Izzo and the Spartans in there as a first four team or something. Oh, like yeah. a million percent. You know, That's it, exactly what I was and, thinking. And that just, is just something. I, the 2018 Oklahoma example, to me, is just it, it, it shows that it has happened in recent in recent history. I and that's 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 you did your research. I just I, remember it being an absurdity because well, I was like a big a bigger reason too it was an absurdity was because Oklahoma State was definitively better that year mm-hmm. and got pushed out for Oklahoma. Right. Yes, that's exactly true. Yes. But my thing is. Who's the Trey Young on Michigan State's roster? Well, there isn't one, but it's Tom Izzo. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. That's, that's what they exactly. That's but, what it would be. And and yes, I get Tom Izzo hasn't or hasn't missed the tournament in 22 years. But there, believe it or not, for those of you listening, this might come as a shock. There have been NCAA tournaments held where Tom Izzo wasn't there. There have, but, um, yeah, not 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 in any of our lifetimes that's here. True. That's true. <laughs> but um, that's actually I, I'm 21. Sloan's I'm 20. 20. 20. Brennan, you're 20. Yeah, that. So it has not happened in our lifetime. No, that's unreal. Which is which is crazy, and and that's why only I said, in a pandemic year. Oh, of course, only in a pandemic. And that's year. why I said on the broadcast, this is going to be a historic season for all the wrong reasons. But um, I just there's I'm at a, I'm at a one percent. If you said from zero to 100, what do you think? What? How much confidence do you have in this team to make the tournament? I'm at one percent exactly. I'm at ten. I'm going with seven because it's my favorite number. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Ten's my favorite number too, I guess. Ninety-one's my favorite number, but ten was my number. Sergey Fedorov. Yeah, yeah. Ninety-one. It's, it, There's no way Trent knew that. Okay, oh, it's Rodman. Yeah. No, no, Sergey Fedorov. That's that's our boy. <laughs> that's our boy. Detroit. Let's go Red Wings. Never thought we'd be shouting out the Red Wings here. Any Lions that have worn number 91? Jason Jones, Sean Robinson. Oh, Jason Jones, Eastern Michigan. Go Eagles. John John Penasini. John Penasini. Sixth round to starter, baby. The only good thing to come out of last year. Yeah, we love love him. Um, But anyways, man, exhale. Let's take a breath. We're going to step back and talk about something else here for a second. Enoch Boachi. Uh, I think I got that pronunciation right. I'm not sure. I apologize, well done, Enoch, if I did not pronounce it correctly. Uh, 2022 five-star center decommitted from Michigan State this week. Uh, he cited the front court depth uh, as his reasoning, which we have talked about. Um, but, guys, what does this mean for the MSU program? Does it have anything to do with the losing this season, or do you not really subscribe to that? Sloan, I'll go to you first. What is it with Canadians in Michigan State? Yeah, they don't first, like us. Karim, Karim Maine, too. Karim Maine. Enoch, also, also, what, what the hell ever happened to him? Yeah, he was going to the pros instead oh, of coming to Michigan did, State and being our point guard. I don't this think year. he got drafted. Exactly. <laughs> I knew. I, I knew that. Shade. Um. Yes, Brandon. I reacted the same way you just did about citing the depth in the front court as his reasoning. You know, one once again, shout out, Dad. Um, but he said that that might be the polite reason why he's decommitting, and that just might be smoke. And I think that's true. But because it's what he said, we're gonna we have to roll with it as people who work in sports talk. And that is, I find that just as bizarre reasoning. I mean, you think that he would be? I mean, say he reclassifies to 2021, which could be on the table. I know it was when he committed here. No, I think it still is You're on the You're talking table. about him starting game one in the Champions Classic against, I think it's Kentucky next year. I think it is. 
Um, or no, it should, I think it's Kansas because it wasn't Kansas supposed to be this year, but it didn't end up being Kansas. Oh yeah, because they didn't it. play it. Yeah, but, I, but I'm saying he could, he could, he could, he could have walked in here no, and started. If, if if there's anybody who actually believes uh, Enric Boache about his reasoning for decommitting, I'm sorry to tell you this now, but you're you're just you're just wrong. Because there's no he the second he steps on to the the campus here in East Lansing, he's the best center Michigan State has without a doubt. Whether he comes whether, whether he comes no. Whether he comes this, whether he comes twenty twenty one, whether he comes twenty twenty two, I agree with that. I think, I think without a doubt. Let me ask you guys. I, this is just again conspiracy theorist over here. Things are churning. Jaron Jackson Jr. was also the best front court player, the best player Michigan State had. I mean, Miles Bridges, maybe whatever. It was those two. And then you know, against Syracuse in the tournament, Tom Izzo put Ben Carter in there for pretty much the entire second half, Oof. and the Spartans couldn't break. Break the uh, you know it was it was terrible that, that game. I don't mean to bring up bad memories, but my question to you guys is maybe that maybe he is telling the truth. Like I understand, you know, if if I'm Enoch, I'm like okay, yeah, I'm gonna be the best center. But is this but coach? I, is, is it gonna is be this enough? coach who is traditionally a four year coach? A that loyalist, kind of, is he yeah. going to maybe favor a Kithier or a Malik Hall or a Julius Marble in those tight situations, and not me? And may, I. Is that something to look at at all? No, a hundred percent. And I said this on the cast on the post game show. On Tom- the cast, I love that. <laughs> That's Tom- fantastic. <laughs> That's gold, Jerry. That's gold. <laughs> no, um, I said that that uh, Tom Izzo is at a crux in his career right now, and he needs to either go left or go right. And left is tradition, and right is modern. And and I think he needs to go modern. And I think if he doesn't, right? So we've had this season, the worst season Tom Izzo has ever had and probably will ever have, if we're being honest. This is going to be historically awful at the end of this year. When right. Look I at mean, because just, just real quick to elaborate on what you said, this is the worst season he's had. And this probably will be the worst season he's ever had because we're not sure how much longer gonna he's be going hard. to coach. It's know? also going to be hard to be this bad again. Yes. And But so I think this is where... Because he's running out of time also. He's been around for 26 years. Um, but just look around the college basketball world at what people are doing. Grad transfers are the thing now. It's not always four-year players. Sometimes the best programs have a great player for just one year. It's not terrible. Shawnee it's Brown at Michigan. unheard mm-hmm. of. Exactly. Look at Mac McClung at Texas Tech. Look at uh, Baylor's got guys that do that too. And so... I think he he I think next here's what I think is going to happen what I want to happen is for him to modernize now as quick as possible and come into this new age world of college basketball and don't put Michigan State in an 8 year hole where they have to rebuild their program for my young adult years. I don't want that. I'm being selfish right now, but I don't want it. But what I think will happen is I think Izzo going to Izzo is going to stay traditional for the rest of this year. Josh Langford's going to play a lot. Next year, Thomas Kithier is going to get more minutes than he should. Uh, I think if Joey Hauser stays, he's going to get more minutes than he should. Um, and I think Foster Lawyer is going to get more minutes than he should. And he's going to realize at the end of next year, if they're not where they want to be, now he absolutely has to modernize and come into the new world that college basketball is now. All right, guys. It's time. I have held off on saying these two words on this podcast for... The entire season, because I've wanted to hold on 
And I've wanted to hold out hope for this podcast and this this, this team so we can hang in there. I'm is it, nervous. Is it we're weird having, that I'm scared right now? Yeah. We're, we're having the recruiting conversation. And I haven't said these words because oh, I haven't I know quit what on this team. Be. Imani Bates. Imani Bates. Has to happen next year. What what kind of juice is this team going to have in the national media headed into next year if they don't get Imani, Imani Bates? Well, here's the thing. If he this just, if he just, does it, if he just yeah. doesn't, if he just stays in high school, it's not going to be a big deal. But for Tom Izzo, I think to have a job in four years from now, Imani Bates has to be an East Lansing resident for at least 365 days. I think next fall it's got to be Imani Bates. I mean, next fall would be ideal. No disrespect to Max Christie, Pierre Brooks, or Jade Nakins. I think they are fantastic it's, players. It's not even disrespect, though. They're all more than one-year yes. players. Oh, yeah. But this this team coming off of, like you said, this is going to be Tom Izzo's worst year ever. They need this transcendent talent now, in my opinion. And But here's the thing, though. Put yourself in Imani Bates' shoes. You've been on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 15 years old. You were the Gatorade Player of the Year for the first time ever, who wasn't a senior in basketball, and you just watched Michigan State lose like that to Purdue, and that's the school you're going to go to. Look, I, I contrarily to, to though, that point, to that point though, I want to I want to play devil's advocate. And I think you'd say the same thing. If he goes to college, it's going to be at Michigan State. I agree. No, that's hundred percent here his entire but life. But that's but I'm not saying that as if he goes yeah. to a different school. But it's either. College or no college, if it's college, it's Michigan State. But who's yeah. to say he doesn't take the G League route? I still think because, or an overseas because route. to your point, Sloan, about you know the the family atmosphere here not wavering and the culture st- stand true to what it is. I think Imani is someone who still would value that one year under Coach Izzo, and you know as a young man too in college. Like who, I always think about this. What if what if you just never went to college? I, I'm I'm not I'm not yeah. like shaming people who do you know because everyone does their own thing and yeah. it's great. But I'm just saying like, man, what if what if you look back, you just don't get even that one year in college. You know, like that's yeah. that's an experience that you're gonna carry with you for the rest of your life. And the thing about Imani too, um, and I, I have a couple like main Imani points that I'd like to hit on. Imani. Because, you know, I, you know, you can siren me and tell me, oh, you know, I'm the insider or whatever, you know, you know, blow me up or whatever. But, you know, I grow up about I grew up about 10 minutes from where Amani lives oh, and plays high school go. and basketball. Amani <laughs> is a loyalty guy. He is loyal to the city of Ypsilanti. He's loyal to the people that have brought him loyal up. to the soil. He is a family guy. So to your point, Trent, I think he would have pre... Yeah, that's one of the reasons why he committed to Michigan State. Right. Tom also, Izzo and his staff Brown, are on another him. Ypsilanti product. For sure. And he'll... He, ben Brown Hopefully should play Hopefully will still be here. Brown, that's another reason why he could come here next year. Gabe Brown, senior year. But he's a loyalty family guy, so I think he would fit in this atmosphere that State has. And then, kind of to your point, Brendan, about you know why would he come here? The great ones, the LeBron James, the Michael Jordans, you see them do transcendent things. Him resurrecting this program is is would be transcendent. I mean, he won a state title with Ypsilanti Lincoln, which was a very Let's mediocre not basketball. Talk about that. <laughs> they Uh-oh. were a very mediocre basketball program until he came there and led them to a state title. But I, I guess my point would be that he could see this as an opportunity to really cement cement his name and think, damn, Amani Bates led his high school team to a freshman state championship, <coughs> resurrected yeah. Michigan State. You know, this could be another piece of his legacy like 20 years from now when we talk about him. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting chills no, Sloan, here. This is why we have Sloan on, and this is great because I don't even think about this kind of stuff. But we got Sloan over here talking about, you know, legacies, and I love it. It's great. 
It's a great little draw. But yeah, are we, Sloan, do we have any other I, thoughts? I'm, I'm so grateful that Luke Sloan is here to remind me of one of my least favorite moments of the past three years. I'm okay, sorry. Well, that, that, hey, that's you <laughs> kicked me about that Iowa game. Yeah, so you, we're you guys, even now. You guys that's are, fair. That's fair. I gotta separate you two. I think. Yeah, I with these plastic barriers that I'm holding up right now, I need to be a little thicker. Oh, that's nothing. Enough. That's nothing. But guys, let's uh, let's let's move it right along. Then uh, I, I feel like I say that every every transition. Moving right along. Maybe that's my transition. Maybe that's it. like my barstool shirt. Moving right along. Uh, let's what, preview what's the apostrophe at the apostrophe. Moving. Like yeah, and, yeah, moving. Not moving. We're moving right along. Uh, let's let's talk about this Indiana matchup then. One of the potential wins for the Spartans left on the schedule here. Um, the Spartans taking on Indiana. Uh, they will continue their Indiana road trip this Saturday at noon. The Hoosiers sport an eleven and nine record as we record this on a Tuesday night. So when people listen, you know we got a few days here that that record might cha- it's going to change. Uh, they're six and seven in the Big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis, their big star, leading them in scoring at nineteen and a half points per game. Also, just over nine rebounds leads that team. So how do the Spartans slow him down? Uh, Brennan, we'll go to you first. I don't think the Spartans slow Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, down. maybe I should have rephrased that <laughs> yeah. question. Like, yeah. can the Spartans? Because here's slow the thing. Trace here's Jackson the Davis. thing. They haven't slowed down a big man yet this year. Right. They're not going to slow down Kofi Coburn. Obviously, Luca Garza only had eight points. Here's the thing about that Garza performance, though. Michigan State played pretty solid defense on him for about ten minutes in the first half. They didn't slow him down though. He got in foul trouble and didn't need to touch the floor for the rest of the game. They were yeah. up like I think 18 by the time he came back after his third foul in the second half. And so he was a non-factor just because he didn't need to be, not any detriment to him and not really credit to Michigan State's defense. But Michigan State hasn't proven they can slow down a big man yet this year. And so I don't think they slowed down Trace Jackson Davis where I think they have a chance to succeed is in the guard play. Indiana has awful guards this year. They haven't they, had a point guard since Yogi Ferrell. You know, this is yeah. Archie Miller year like, Four and he still doesn't have any guards. That, that's that's see, concerning. That, that his, Christian his, Lander his is a butt stud, is a though. little warm, just a little bit. I, I don't know. They gave bit. Tom Crean quite the leash. And Tom Crean. Did I a love lot. Tom. I'm a Tom Crean stan, by the way. I he, love Tom Crean. I think Georgia now. Yeah, I think I'll get you some gear. Bulldogs hat. Here, You'd wear that. Oh, oh, for sure. If I, if I'm an Indiana athletic director and I saw Tom Crean win that buzzer beater that they had over Kentucky. Uh, Watford for the win. Shout out Dave Pash. Um, <laughs> Dave, I, I'm giving Tom Crean, Tom Crean a job for life. That's one of the greatest moments in sports history, in my opinion. But nonetheless, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think they really only have a chance to win if, if Michigan State's guards just dominate the Indiana guards. I think Langford's got to have at least like 15 points. Henry's got to do his thing and have 18 or so. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing Foster Lawyer get like five or six and A.J. Hogard have like his usual five and four. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, WDBM legend, and someone who may be on this podcast in the near future, Julian Mitchell and I, um, we saw Chase Trace Trace Jackson Davis in person last year when the world was normal, and him and I were marveling at his game on the car ride to and from that game. I mean, you know, he's a guy who, kind of like Ron Harper Jr. of Rutgers, he's kind of a three-level guy. I mean, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he'll face you up and 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 take and make jump shots. And he's, you know, he's kind of a he'll he profiles as a four in in the NBA. So he's not, you know, and they, they play him at the four at Indiana too. So we'll see how that factors in how Michigan State guards him. But you know, I don't think people talk enough about Trace Jackson Davis, and you know, if he comes back next year with with some of these centers and the and like Garza and stuff graduating, you know, he, Trace Jackson Davis could get some of the respect that he deserves. But you know, Trent, you said this, and and I completely agree. For how good Trace Jackson Davis is, and I like this Indiana team, 
their guard play is 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 very subpar. All right, so let's let's talk about some predictions then. Who wins this game and what is your score prediction, Brendan? Indiana. I don't have a score prediction. You don't Indiana have a score. Wins. Indiana nope. wins. Indiana money line. 79-61 Indiana. 79-61. All right, Sloan. I'm picking the Celine Hornets over the Lincoln Rail Splitters tomorrow night. Uh, Fifty-four to fifty. I'm, no cop out. Um, Hoosiers, seventy-six, sixty-eight. They play like that with score. them. They Good play score. with them. Oh, you guys are just gonna continue to make me look like an idiot, Trent. I, Trent, I, please. Nah, nah. Look, look, hey, you guys just laid here. it out. You guys just laid it out for me on a silver platter. I, I get That's it. Fair. Trace Jackson Davis is fantastic. He's averaging nineteen and a half a game. He might go off for thirty. I don't. But Indiana, in terms of top to bottom, they don't scare me. And granted, if I'm the Hoosiers, the Spartans don't scare me, quite frankly. But. I think they do get back to those defensive ways. We saw the Spartans play really well, really good defense against Nebraska and Penn State in that little two-game cute little win streak. I think the Spartans win. I'm going to say 68-65, three-point win. I'm not. I don't have a good track record on the three-point wins. What do you think? I'm sorry. Trent. You're so, well, I'm here's sorry. the thing. Here's right, the thing. All right, all right. Trent, you're my you're my bro, dude. I look. I don't. I don't. I I'm, love you, Trent. Here's the thing. When when from a betting perspective, I'm backing you up here. From a betting perspective, oh, yeah. smart money. If it's like I don't know, Indiana minus four or five, I'm picking state all day. I mean, I think it's going to be like minus two or three. I I think I'd still pick state. Even well, that's the thing. It's it's a, it's a pretty fair matchup. I, yeah. like, I, I don't think their guard play. Their if guard Iowa plays, was minus five, Indiana's got to be way closer, right? I mean, it's on the road too, but yeah. I yeah. look. I, overall, I just think the Spartans play better defense. Look, they didn't play terrible defense against Purdue. It was just the turnovers. And I, I think if, if they're gonna get another win on the schedule, it's this or Maryland. But again, we have a ways to go till that one. I just, I will say, if I my favorite game on this schedule for them to get a win is Michigan because I am a huge believer in no matter the rivalry. what sport yeah. throw out the goddamn record book it's not going to matter yeah it doesn't matter well, who's on the who's on the floor how good they've been what the score is it's it's rivalry week and and that's what it's all about that's very fair Mel Tucker would have a word or two exactly, for you exactly they, they weren't supposed to win this year maybe that no. happens two times in not a 2021 20, year wouldn't it only wouldn't it wouldn't it only be fitting to wouldn't it only be right that like both football and basketball are awful this year, but they beat and Michigan. They, they beat Michigan, yep. and, and 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 especially for basketball, Michigan. We'll get to them later in four point play, but Michigan, they're having a great season. How great would that be for the Spartans to well, win? Well, dude, that? what a terrible, terrible look that would be for them going into the yeah. Big Ten tournament yeah. and their bracketology. And I, granted, we're talking about like driving from a one seed to a two, but I'm just saying, like, it, it would. It would it would move the needle if the Spartans yeah. beat the Wolverines, no, and that's 100%. that's a ways away. And look to our listeners again. I promise I'm not going to pick Michigan State in every game. No, but I just we, think I think I think they get it done. Against we, we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't come at this from all angles. I mean, yeah. there are still paths. I think there are there are paths that they. I think there are definitely a few paths on how they can beat Indiana. There are you know limited paths about how they can make the NCAA tournament. I mean. You know, as much as we're about to wave the white flag, you know, there's still some yeah, things we, to hold on to. We got it out of the closet. Now we're, like, maybe getting ready to raise it up there, but you can't do it quite yet because mathematically they're still in there. 
It it's is, it's one of those things. It is college basketball. So yeah, it is. It is. So Brendan, let's. That's a great segue. Let's get right into the four point play then, and we'll close out the show. I am so excited to do four point play in the studio for the first time. I get to see you guys' live reactions wish in real had, time. Wish not we had music. Not the half second. We'll, I'm gonna. I'm we gonna make, make an that intro a thing. for this. I'm gonna make that a thing. We're gonna do it. Because I'm a big music guy, so Onions. we're going we're we're to get couple, into the Put a couple drops a in there. A little CBS-type you know, theme song into the four-point play. Get some Raffrey in there. Get those puppies in order. We could use it. Anyways, we- that was a terrible. I'm sorry for the viewers. Um, this viewers, four- again. Oh, yeah. I I'm, just giving, I I'm, just, gi- I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I- no, it's okay. I deserve it. I No, I deserve it. I, I had a terrible Iowa take and brought up your worst memory of high school, so... <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys gotta stop. You guys gotta okay. stop right now. Okay, all right. Four First play. one back. Four I point swear. Play. We're gonna start with a two for one. We mentioned Loyola Chicago and Drake. Some MVC action, Missouri Valley Conference. Loyola Chicago guys, who saw this coming on Saturday? Pummeled the Bulldogs, eighty-one to fifty-four. Outscored them fifty to twenty in the second half. But look, this was the best part of the whole weekend. So Eher Aguak. Finishes with 20 points and 5 rebounds for the Ramblers. They win 81-54. The very next day, 24 hours later exactly, the Drake Bulldogs, 51. Loyola Ramblers, 50. Tramel Murphy for Drake, 17, 4, and 3 blocks. That's huge for the Missouri Valley Conference because Drake's probably going to finish with 2 losses, maybe 3 at the end of the season. Loyola's going to finish with 4. They have a chance to get 2 teams at large bids in this tournament. So that's really huge for them. There you go. I want to shout out Sister Jean. I saw her on social media um, <laughs> the other day for the first time since they made that Final Four run. Which Dude, it's awesome. She's still kicking. Yeah. How, I, was, I mean, know, I didn't want to say it, but oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I'll say it. When we, <laughs> hey, you put loyal Chicago. That's kind of funny. But when we're on the topic of. <laughs> <laughs> when we're on the topic of Loyola Chicago, how did they make it to the Final Four? It's college basketball. Who exactly. They were up. If you guys remember, I know you do. They were up like eight on Michigan too, with like three minutes left. And somehow oh, well, they, lost were the game. Yeah, they were supposed to win that game. They were supposed to. They were, to, to, they were to shooting win the that lights game. out, and then Michigan just and then basically Mi- and then said, nah. and then Michigan had no business in that championship game. No. Dante DiVincenzo. That actually made me upset. I was a Michigan fan back then. Dante DiVincenzo was averaging thirteen points per game. Only right, he goes off for 31 against Michigan in the championship. Yep. Like, really? Yeah, of course. But that is neither here hey, nor there. Hey, I didn't mind. I didn't mind. That yeah, was an electric. I'm sure, I'm sure you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> that was an electric. I wouldn't mind it this year. But um, <laughs> so uh, speaking of Michigan, COVID no more. The Wolverines go back in action after, what was it, four weeks, three weeks of literally nothing. An not eternity. practice. I don't think they touched a basketball the whole time. No. Under, yeah. Unless it was in their dorm room. But uh, – Neighbors wouldn't appreciate that. What a performance against the Badgers at the Cole Center, down by as much as 12. They come back and win it 67 to 59. Guys, I just want you to listen closely. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Sharpie. The other one's blank. For, for I don't know what? The final four? Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Sharpie. That's so boring. Time stamp. Brennan, nope. I expected nope. more no, 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 of you. That's no, 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 chalk. No, no, no. That's all no, because chalk. it's different. That's because the... it's different. 11 28, Tuesday, February 16th. Put it down. Brendan, yep. listen, in a COVID year, too, This is yes. we're bound for not that. We are bound for anything yes. but that. Anything no, because, but. No, no, no. Indiana's going to make it to the, the final thing, right? four. Because that's the thing with March every year. Never do all the number one seats make it. No. How absolutely bonkers would it be if something like that happened No, they don't year? make it because it just is mathematically not going to happen like ever. 
No, that's so, not true. It's, I mean, uh, it's happened before. Well, I, yeah, but it, what? Okay, but I, that's that's I kind of just saying. I kind of just got tossed Trent, right there. No, Trent, Trent, I'm backing you up on this one. Every year we see I, an eight seed in there, or a. But you know, that's my point. Would this the, year those, be different? Considering those three are going to probably be on the one line. No, no chance. I no need chance. Je- I need some Jim Laranega action. I need. So a little, here's I, here's. The I need thing. some Bayheim as a twelve seed. <laughs> right, right now, right now, I'll give you my favorite Final Four prediction. I'll fill in that last blank for you. I'm not what? saying confidently for the viewers that they should do that. Who's it going to be? My Phil Michigan you, State. I'll give you. I'll give you each a guess. Trent, go. You, you've listened to Four Point Play enough. I've mentioned this team before. I'll give you a guess. Texas. Oh, I got it. I got it. Villanova. Texas Tech. Ah, okay, okay, Texas you got me. Tech, I was going to say Michigan Texas also, State. Texas is also out. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I've got Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Texas Tech right now. But I, Guns I, up. Just, I just think Gonzaga and Baylor, this is such a crazy year for those two. We've never seen anything like that. We've seen teams go into the, into the tournament undefeated. We've seen teams be far and away the number one team in the country. We just saw it recently with Wisconsin and Kentucky a couple of years ago. We've never seen... Two teams be so far apart. I mean, they were supposed to meet each other. Now we're praying they don't reschedule that postponed game uh, for the end of the season because we want to see them play each other in the Final Four. We've never seen two teams be so good as Gonzaga and Baylor. Baylor's top five in the country in both adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. Gonzaga's top ten right now. I mean, these teams are just both so good. But here's the thing. They're both undefeated. I have Michigan right up there with them because I'll, I'll I'll read it off to you right now. Adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency, and if you guys can't tell, I am a wholehearted subscriber. Yeah, you're crunching. To these numbers. You're crunching the numbers. No, I That's love. Great. I love these numbers right now for March. Um, Gonzaga, and they say Jern kids don't like math. <laughs> Second in offense, fifth in defense. Okay, Baylor third in offense, fourth in defense. Michigan seventh in offense, eighth in defense. Nobody else has anything close to that. Okay, so not far behind. I so see they're what you're both. Saying. All three of them are top ten in offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency in both categories. Very impressive. So that's why I have Michigan. After that Wisconsin game, the showing that they had, and that wasn't just a skill basketball showing. That had a lot of heart behind it. They are subscribing to what Juwan Howard is selling them. I think they're for sure a lock. We I don't want to. We might have to make a little gentleman's bet here. That that that. If you if you are that confident that Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan all make it to the final four, I'm willing to lay that I, down right now. I, I was going to say I'll take a little something on that. I need that. good odds. I need really good odds. Odds. Well, you you just said undoubtedly it's going to happen. Look, but look at Walk the math of predicting the final four correctly. Well, okay, what are, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. you're, you're telling everybody that they're making it. No, no doubt. Okay, but you go. That's that's how betting goes. I could put down. I'll, We'll, we'll we'll do this. We'll find the odds of all three of them. Okay, okay. We'll have to. We'll keep an we'll, eye on. We'll this. do this. We'll I'll tell you what. I want your thoughts on this too, just real quick. If Gonzaga doesn't win it this year, they're never going to. They're nope. just never Agreed. going to. Mark yeah. Few will because never get this the monkey is the, off They've back. been knocking on the door for fifteen years, more than yep. that maybe. And like, man, dude, this is by far the best team they've ever had. Not mm-hmm. even close. And yeah. they, but at the same time, they. They haven't played a close game in months, and I just I worry about that sometimes. Yeah, the but, psychological but aspect of it. They part sleepwalk. Of me feels like they have it. The they, schedule they, was they pretty still, beefy. They, I know, but man, they no, sleepwalk. It was really beefy. I love that Mark yeah. Few did that this year. He, well, he, at the start he listened of the, the to the doubters. The non-conference yeah. was great, but the problem is, you go two months then of just sleepwalking through the second half. Hey, Pacific you win games by forty. The 
Jordan. But doesn't it? But yeah, doesn't it just, just feel kidding. like Drew Timmy, kidding. Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs? They've all got it. They've got that mental part Dude, of the game. Dude, it always seems like they've Jaylen got it. Jalen Suggs. Where they're this not, is what I'm I saying. I agree with you. I I agree with you. This is the team. This is why I'm saying if they if this team doesn't win it, no, they're not ever going to. No, no. So that's two out of the four of the four-point play. Yes, sir. Uh, so that means we're no longer looking at the past, only looking forward to the future as we do for as Michigan always. State basketball. Yeah, because Gotta... looking at the past will just make you sad and want to drink. Yeah, future's too bright. Yeah. It's a little bright in here. Get those Is sunglasses it? on. The indoor sun's really bright. It's <laughs> <laughs> like uh, 11 o'clock at ACC night. implications, Saturday, February 20th, number 16, Florida State, number 18, Virginia Tech, noon. Watch it if you got nothing else to do on a Saturday at noon. Honestly, though, if... You have nothing else to do on a Saturday at noon besides watch college basketball. If you're not a college basketball fan, I don't know what to tell you. I can't guarantee, I can't guarantee you I'll be up by noon. Same. Oh, no way I am. I'll be building a snowman. We got like two feet of snow right now here. In Trent will be on cup of co- cup of hot chocolate because I know you're not a coffee guy at like Sloan, nine. You're, you're so good at the little things, Sloan. Sloan's yeah, got no, so I'd... many brownie points tonight. Sloan's a jack of all trades. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate. Yeah, it. no. After but, my after the last podcast, when all my predictions looked horrible, I needed a rebound podcast in the both. worst way. A, it's okay. We'll we'll see what happens after this one because we differed for the first time in the picks in a yeah, while. That's so, true. That's but true. but my my bad. I interrupted. I just, Minus one. I just like point. to mention that I didn't need a rebound podcast. Anyways, um, oh. number sixteen FSU versus eighteen Virginia Tech guys. I am taking. The Seminoles in that one, I really like Scotty Barnes. I like Florida State to be a Sweet 16 team this year. Maybe Elite Eight. We'll see about that. Uh, come closer to that. So remember that. That's the FSU prediction there. I think I'm, what am I, 3-0 four-point play since I started making predictions, which was only last week. Yes. If you count the Oklahoma State-Texas upset, which wasn't an official prediction, I just actually said it out loud. Uh, the other game I have to look at is a absolutely huge game between Michigan and and Ohio State, number three versus number four, uh, Sunday, February 21st. Um, biggest rivalry in college football in the history. Uh, one of the biggest rivalry in sports. It, it it translates a little bit to the basketball floor, wouldn't you guys think? A little bit, but yeah, I, would, I yeah. would argue that, and I don't think this is really a hot take, but the Michigan-Michigan State basketball rivalry is a little bit bigger than and that's just because Michigan State is traditionally a, a oh, basketball. Yeah. yeah, no, 100%. So, so then it kind of flip-flops with the football. You're right. Yeah, I think I think but just between these two, there's a little bit of there's a little bad blood, a little chippiness out there just because yeah. of what the two schools are. Um I think this right now is the game of the year. We didn't get the 1 versus 2 with Gonzaga Baylor. This is the next best thing is 3 versus 4. So I think it's going to be a really good game. Um Prediction though. Well, these teams are both making it to the final four per your uh I, per I, your You know what, Trent? Where's Ohio State? Right, never mind. Yeah, never Trent, mind. Sorry, you sorry. lobbed that up perfectly to me. You know, you only had one through three as chalk, so I thought maybe four would be chalk too. No, but no, I'm no, just no, I just no, not no. here nor there. No, 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 I'll just, no, no, no. I just what Talking, did I lob? What did I lob you well, unknowingly? And you're, I, I hope you're gonna agree agree with me on this one because this could be another fun side, okay. you know, venture. I can't wait for me to be so wrong. Come like a month. <laughs> I love <laughs> That's how this works. I love Leonard Hamilton. I love oh, huge, Florida State. Huge I think, Leonard Hamilton fan. I think the odds of Florida State making the Final Four are better than Baylor. Gonzaga and Michigan all making the final combined. Four oh, so, so combined so one, one odds. Okay. Yep. That's not so a we, oh, Leonard Hamilton is the best looking seventy two year old man oh, I've ever seen in my life. That's what they were saying on the broadcast uh, last night. He's in great shape. Yeah, like he needs to win a title. He has to. Yeah, it's only fair. Yeah, like, they, they had a really good dude, shot last they year. They looked great against mm-hmm. uh, Virginia the other night. Yeah. So, if they made a run, I'd be all in on Leonard Hamilton and the Seminoles. Maybe that'll we'll, be we'll maybe talk, that'll be my March team. 
We'll Looks talk. like I'm going to need one. Yeah, you Chop are. On. You don't have one this year. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll talk post pod about about the numbers. Yeah. Of this, but uh, yeah. So we need a prediction for this one. I think this is a really uh, possible Final Four or Big Ten title uh, preview matchup: Michigan versus Ohio State. I I sharpied them, so I got to take the Wolverines. I'm taking Michigan in that one. So we got uh, FSU and the Wolverines. Uh, next week, we'll take a, back, a look back at that, see if I can go 5-0. and oh. That's it for four-point play on the first ever four-point play in person in the WDBM studios. Wow, doesn't that sound good? It did yeah, not you... disappoint. No, it didn't. Not even a little bit. Fireworks. But anyway, is that suggesting I've disappointed before? No, of course not. Of <laughs> no, course no, not. No, this is a great segment when we were brainstorming this idea. And shout out Trent for coming up with this idea for the segment. I did I did come up with this just because I know Brennan is such a such a guru in terms of, you know, like national stuff and I was like, you know, hey, we got to talk a little college hoops, like oh. not just Michigan State. We can't of be course. so bogged down. You know, so so that's all. I mean, I don't really got any final thoughts before I wrap this one up. This was fantastic. Oh no. Hold oh, on. Brennan's gonna okay. Brennan's gonna do a little bit more ASMR for all you guys. He's that's, gonna rip up some that's paper. My, that's my final thought. It, it's that's Brennan's gimmick tonight. You got a pile of confetti over there on the desk. I'm gonna throw it when I celebrate being five and zero oh and four. Uh, you know, I wish we were on camera. If this was like a podcast slash live show slash live video show, it'd be quite entertaining. But this was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. This was fantastic. This was a blast. Makes you really excited for the future. Through the glass fist bumps. Through the glass fist bumps. You know, socially distanced fist bumps. For for, for Brennan Shabbat, Luke Sloan, I am Trent Bally. This has been the Impact Is Zone. Stay tuned. We will have more episodes every week, sometimes twice a week. We like to mix it up. We like to throw a few more in there. Tell a friend about the podcast. Follow WDBM Sports on Twitter for all of your Michigan State men's hoops coverage, and we will see you next time.